Welcome to the Enterprise Thought Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bond, founder of techpros.io. Today I speak with Mike Glock, founder and managing director of London-based Unify, a well-renowned ServiceNow implementation partner who have recently joined forces with a 2 billion turnover European IT consulting and services business, which Mike will share more about shortly. Today we explore the challenge of modernizing IT service management in banking, financial services and insurance organizations. More specifically, bridging data quality with generative AI innovation. Alongside Mike, we hear from four leading IT service management professionals from well-known financial services organizations who share their perspectives on the prerequisites for leveraging generative AI, highlighting pragmatic steps to drive automation and intelligence for improved productivity and customer experience. Let's get into it. Mike, it's great to have you with us again. Perhaps you could start off by introducing yourself and, of course, Unify for our listeners. Sure, it's great to see you too, Tim. So Mike Locke, I'm the Managing Director here at Unify. We're one of the largest ServiceNow partners in the UK and Ireland with extensive operations in India too. So my background has always been around IT tooling, that service management space, and this is my 14th year working exclusively with ServiceNow. We have a team here of uh, ServiceNow specialists and other sort of associated consulting areas. So we focus across most of the ServiceNow platform areas and, and a lot of verticals here in the UK and Ireland, but we have a specific focus in BFSI, where we've worked with a lot of financial institutions over the years and bring a lot of client-side experience, given that a lot of us here on the team have come from working for various banks, investment banks, insurance companies and the like. So we're now, as of a few weeks ago, really, really excited to be part of the wider Interton group. So Inatum are a pan-European major digital services uh, company. And we not only are now part of a service now practice that encompasses nearly 500 certified consultants across Europe, but also we're really, really excited to be able to lead the building and delivery of Inatum UK and Ireland. So delivering Inatum's wider solutions here in the country. These are largely based around some really key enterprise technology stacks, SAP, Salesforce and the whole Microsoft ecosystem. So this enables us not only to deliver our service network, but also to bring those complementary offerings to bear as we as we work more and more with, with large enterprise clients who are looking for multiple solutions. Congratulations, Mike. That's really exciting. So we're talking about modernizing IT service management in BFSI, bridging data quality with AI innovation. So, Mike, in your experience, how important is prioritizing enhancing data quality across organizations? And how do you think this shift can support IT service teams in realizing the full potential of technologies such as Gen AI? The easy answer is it's incredibly important, not, not as a means to an end in itself, because we need to focus on why we need and what do we mean by improving, improving quality. This comes back to, and a lot of the individual conversations we had with participants were, was, was fantastic, centered around this subject. I think it's really important to focus on those areas that the business need us to deliver to. So again, it doesn't become just an IT, focusing on IT for IT's sake, but actually it centers around the, why do we want to improve our data? Because we want to deliver better service to our user base, or ultimately better service to our end customers. We want to be more efficient. 
and we want to be more effective in what we're doing. I think in terms of uh, the current themes around Gen AI, I think if I go back in time, I think there's a recurrent theme within within the industry that many of the things we've had over the years, which have needed us to go and innovate, to respond to CEO, CIO sort of mandates. If I go back to big data, we go back to sort of blockchain. A, a lot of these things are resolve around, you need to have the data as a basis in order to be able to then go and leverage these technologies. And generally as a classic example, where at the end of the day, these large language models require training. So if you're going to train the, the model on your company specific data, then that data needs to be of sufficient quality in order for the model to be able to leverage it and genuinely return value. I think there's a couple of key things. One is which is, is around some standardization and on what we call things within an organization. So get, trying to get to that common enterprise language so that across all of our enterprise tooling, you know, we what we're referring to is consistent so that we can leverage things like AI, not just in individual platform stacks, but genuinely leverage it across multiple platforms. And I think the other key piece is if, I'll use a silly example, but if, if as part of a, an IT incident, you know, the the description is it's broken and the resolution is just says it's fixed, even the best language models in the world are not going to be able to do much with that as a challenge and a solution. So, so we need to get better at articulating what, what are these issues and how we resolve them so the language models can learn. Justin Hemming is an expert ITIL practitioner with over 15 years experience spearheading service management and problem resolution programs. He has measurably improved stability, availability and efficiency for major financial and media institutions, including legal and general investment management, where he currently works. Justin is regarded as a strategic thinker and leader focused on developing fit for purpose solutions and influencing high performing teams. The sort of first challenge, I guess, around current reporting data and analysing it and critically, I think, understanding actually genuinely getting behind pain points and, and really I think yeah. we have a lot of clients that struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. you've got the usual thing, we've got tons of data but no real knowledge or information. It is a, a fantastic tool, isn't it? And it can give you it can present so many different things depending on what you want. But if you don't have a clear I guess a clear sense yourself, then it's going to be of limited use because say if you don't really understand what it is you're after then how can you sort of tailor the, the information out of service now to then give you that kind of i guess the support for the direction you want to head in LGM is one business unit out of many many different business units that sort of consume services from group tech are almost like a parent company they produce and it's a it's a a fully legal kind of relationship that we have so we we manage them as a like a service provider so they they provide a monthly service review that we have to go through and they have oversight of the various third parties and support partners that we interact with it is about the customer experience side of things that's where it kind of fell fairly nicely with that session that we had we are making strong demands of group tech who manage all that on our behalf to, to tell us what is it that our customers are seeing and provide us that 6,000 incidents per month across LNG, for example. But I'm not interested in 6,000 incidents. I want to know which ones are LGM specific. And, and if there is a high number of LGM specific issues, then tell me what they're seeing. What pain are they going through? So we put a fair amount of demand on our counterparts in group 
to, to sort of try to present that. So looking at some of the, the sort of, I guess, more basic metrics would be things, not only just what incidents are being raised, but incident themes are being raised. Equally, how are those, uh, how's that journey being monitored as well? So there's almost a cast of thousands in terms of different assignment queues for, for support groups because we have outsourced desktop, we have outsourced infrastructure, and it's it's how those tickets are, are being managed. So it might be that uh, a ticket is looked at and resolved first time, which is great. Yeah, that you perceive it on the back of that, that the um, the customer experience side of things would be fairly high. And then there's other uh, examples where the ticket has bounced from team to team, might have exceeded five, it might have exceeded 10 uh, reassignments. Uh, and it's, it's looking at that, looking at the challenges and seeing how group tech are overseeing that to improve that and make sure that that doesn't become commonplace. You're thinking about the experience on the investment management side of things, and you're going Absolutely, to groups yeah. who look after that and go in show me the data that tells me how well these tickets are being dealt with. One of those metrics being reassignment within to various teams or whatever. Got it. Got it. Makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah. How, how good so is that the, data then? Are they um, coming with that? Yeah, they, they are. In, in terms of getting the, the kind of raw stats, if you like, it, it is good. Yeah. It, it's accurate. I think if you're, uh, it's like any any tool, ultimately, if you actually drill into to some of these issues that are being raised, the quality of, of the, the data within, possibly questionable. But I say that that's because you've got the human side of things and then sometimes you get a great agent. Uh, sometimes yeah. you get a, a not, not so invested agent. You look at it and you, does it tell you a clear story? Probably not Not in all cases. But it's that so what, right? The Off the back of the day, uh, we always talk about that. Uh, and I'm not really not interested in the individual cases because it, it's more about themes. Well, what sort of themes are out there? What kind of service improvement are group overseeing from the, the service partner to, to say, well, okay, we use the, the, the historically um, high one, password resets. Okay, so what are you doing about password resets then? Because users will forget their passwords, they will um, have issues. So what are we doing there? And it's just sort of trying to understand um, trying to understand if they are using that data themselves or whether they're being nudged and encouraged from, from us as a business unit uh, amongst other business units within within the LNG family to actually pick off the, the sort of high volume ones. Yeah, and then do something with it, right? So uh, forgive me if you talked about this Absolutely, on the call, yeah. but how do you then influence that? So an example that we had recently is, well, a good example actually is one uh, big, large fashion retailer, international fashion retailer. Automation was on their strategic roadmap as it is for everyone and has been for the, for the last couple of years. Mm. And they're talking about exactly what you're talking about. Although their choice of of kind of where to start with that automation was how we get those tickets in and managing that first line and and whatever else. And they decided to go virtual agent. So we took their top 10 password reset being a great example. And we looked at that and said, how do we automate that that top 10 in the best possible way? We're going to try virtual agent. They ended up with 98% deflection, blah, 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 really successful story. How do you as a, I guess, a business unit that's a consumer of those services from group tech, how do you influence them take that and say well guys how are you are you how are you going to automate that how are you going to make that the best possible experience for us as well as making it really slick and on the on the on the back end from an agent perspective that's part of what some of the discussions are with the the monthly service review additionally we have quarterly balance scorecard that balance scorecard's a, like a, a perception survey if you like about very and it's weighted depending on on the sort of areas that we're looking at my section obviously being 
they're being serviced so we're looking at, at those elements so how they're how they're handling major incidents but also it, it takes on the the people side of it as well so what are we seeing from group tech to, to actually say yeah we've seen this and this is what we're doing and then how we're going about it so we do like say so we do that 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 survey on a quarterly basis and we you know that just further lends a bit more weight to areas that we're not happy with or we would like to to encourage some some change and some improvement with by having that that open dialogue so we submit the survey they digest it and then we get back together as a as a big collective forum you mentioned on the call something about getting outside views on best practice engaging research firms like gartner you mentioned yeah. would you mind just expanding on that a view on what a i guess a good level of customer service should be we're not experts in that that field so it would make perfect sense to, to sort of reach out and just say for an organization of lng size you know what does sort of good kind of look like um but in particular for elgin as a business unit which is ultimately you know for being very selfish that that's where we're looking at if it benefit if what we get but ultimately that that we, we're sort of looking after ourselves in many respects it's about understanding what we should kind of expect from our, our service partners but also being mindful of the fact that we're paying for the service but are we paying for a premium service are we paying for a median kind of service or are we sort of paying pennies and expecting that like a, a platinum service it's getting that balance and that's where i, I think the likes of, of gartner and, and co be able to, to give you that so you've got a bit of balance there rather than banging your, your fists on the on the on the desk demanding this that and the other when in reality you're being unreasonable. Dustin focused on the importance of understanding customer pain points, getting visibility into issues specific to his business unit versus a shared services group. There's also some discussion around getting better reporting and, and metrics from shared services as well. So Mike, what are your thoughts on making sure IT operations are truly focused on understanding business needs? How can we improve on drilling into real issues? Understanding what the business needs and what the outcomes we need to drive for is, is fundamental. As I mentioned, to stop us as technologists focusing on the technology for the sake of it or on our processes for the sake of our processes. I think the most of the things we deal with have to be business focused. They have to understand what we're going to deliver back to the wider group. And also, if that group, the business itself has customers, we have to be part of the understanding of what are we trying to deliver to our ultimate end customers in order for us to be able to focus and spend our time and money on the things which give the biggest value back to the business. It touches on cleaning up data, getting better data, tidying up and getting more efficient processes. But if we're just doing it for the sake of having a better process, what is it actually going to return back to the business and how Critically, are we going to articulate that within a business case? How are we going to do some, how are we going to baseline uh, our performance and how are we going to ever measure or continuously improve unless we're actually really focused on those outcomes? Justin also spoke about trying to get group tech to present more relevant data around customer experience. What's your perspective on getting shared services to provide better reporting, Mike? And what are keys to making metrics meaningful? So I think this is really interesting. Traditionally, we've been very... I'd say almost input focused on how many tickets have we resolved, how many SLAs have we achieved, but not around are we delivering a better service to our either our internal or even our external customers. And I think we can talk a lot about customer user experience, a lot about sort of total experience measures. But I think the challenge is what how do we actually quantify it? 
and how do we actually then measure it and build it into kind of how we operate and i think getting i don't have any magical answers by the way i think this is a real challenge that the industry as a whole needs to kind of adopt i think things like the you know, almost adopting some of the net promoter score type type concepts to simplify it right down to that one single question uh, and try and make it relevant to our users and customers i think it will be really 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 interesting to try and pull some thoughts together around that and i think again making metrics meaningful and it's about us as if we're a central shared services or it function spending time with the business proper to understand what outcomes they need and where they want to be and then critically then making sure that we can capture the right things so i think if we had a major project go live in the summer um, with a, a global retailer and that that was very interesting because that one of their their key ambitions right at the beginning was to deliver better service to their internal users and and they define that better service with some really really key metrics which were around a satisfaction rating and improving that and then also around the speed and efficiency with which they handle queries and automated as much as possible of that so we were really excited to at the end of that that project after the first few weeks we for instance achieved a i think it was a 98% deflection rate so everybody that used the the virtual agent chatbot within service now we only about 2% of those conversations actually went to a live agent that coupled with a really positive nps type type scoring um sort of i mean meant that we really really hit the nail on the head in terms of not just the technology but also the client then were very very active and put a very successful business change program around it lots of comms made it fun made want people want to interact and engage with the with the bot rather than just pick the phone up or send an email which, which then has to go through all the usual manual old fashioned manual triage processes so i think that's one way where the the IT team really spent time with the the wider user base uh, I interviewed lots of people, did some workshops, did some kind of user experience type 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 sessions with with their actual internal users and customers uh, to understand what would make them engage better. So I think that's the key thing. We've got to get out and actually spend more time speaking to the real users, not just going through IT liaison people, not just speaking to management, but actually getting out and spending time with with real people. Imogen Woodley has over 20 years of experience in service management, infrastructure delivery, and leading large-scale technology projects. As the Senior Director of Service Operations at Finastra, she currently oversees strategy and operations for IT infrastructure, supporting over 7,000 employees. Previously, Imogen served as the Head of Disaster Recovery and Risk for Structured Trading and Emerging Markets at RBS Investment Bank, and was the service management manager for ABN AMRO Global Investment Bank. So I think a lot of the stuff that we've certainly focused on is reducing the plethora of tools that are out there. Not every tool is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So it's a case of looking for the right ones that meet your requirements. One of my key points that I look at from a monitoring point of view is I always tend to be the one that asks the question, what are you going to do with this information? Because there's a lot that gets people want yeah. a ton of stuff. And I think you always need to have that voice going, well, you can record all of this, but what are you, what's that actually going to get you? Yeah. Yeah, you I, know, what, what do you need to use it for? So we've set up 
governance elements. So it, it's regular revisiting what's been put in to then say, is that still relevant? Are the thresholds still what we want? Are we still getting the right level of information out? Has the world moved on? And that's just been left there because it was part of a project that was run and we needed that at that particular time and we no longer need it. And someone's just going in and, you know, the system's either closing it all itself and it's no one's physically looking at any of this, um, in which case it's just data. Why are we getting it? It's fairly time consuming and it can be quite hard to convince some areas to do it mm-hmm. because it's not really that exciting. Um, but actually it then frees up capacity, licensing, all of that kind of stuff to actually record the elements that you do need. So we do that either through the NOC, um, reporting and governance structure there, or from major incident and problem root cause to see, you know, are we recording the right stuff? Are we getting the right information? Those kind of aspects, really. We've gone through quite a few reiterations of decommissioning processes and and plans and and kind of actually really focused on that so you know mm-hmm. making sure the cmdb has the right information so that we can if stuff hasn't happened on particular service for however long then do we still need it, it goes into a holding pattern you know it goes yeah. into a holding place and then eventually we we decommission it and then if if people scream we're kind of like well you weren't listed as the owner now you're the owner and this is all your accountability and responsibilities mm-hmm. and what have you um I think those aspects help. I think also just taking, I always like to try and do it with with something that is quite visible or causing a pain for a team. And then if you can fix that and reduce the noise and reduce the volumes and reduce the paging out and the waking people up at whatever hours in order to just ignore it because it's something that they don't need to do anything with, then you can sell it from a a management perspective from a resourcing FTE point of view mm-hmm. and then from a people work-life balance you can sell it and then also you can free up those people to do some of the longer standing projects because they then have the time in order yeah. to do it yeah. um, so I think you can sell it fairly easily but you just sometimes you just need to look at it from the human perspective uh, yeah and um, Give them the option to do more interesting stuff, right? Rather than yeah. just sit, sitting there fixing stuff as you say, you know, get off and actually start looking at how we can move things forward, perhaps slicken yeah, up our automation, yeah. do some funky stuff, you know, get get some um you know, get some of that stuff done rather than you know, just almost looking backwards and, and chasing your tail over a bunch of um, dumb alerts that, are, that, yeah. that we can we don't yeah. need to worry about. Absolutely. You're much further to the right on on that maturity journey than some of the clients that we talk to in this sense, from both from a kind of visibility perspective and from a governance perspective i would say so is your is a lot of your focus given how much of it seems to be driven by the reporting side of things on maturing the actual reporting and getting better visibility of uh, of all of the stuff across the state whether that's service mapping and refining that side of things or whether that's actually some of those end reports and dashboards that you use to make some of these decisions i think that's a key factor i mean when i when i first moved over here two and a half nearly three years ago i think it's three years in may i've been with finastra um it was the visible. There was lack of visibility, and I always think if you haven't got the data, you can't make a decision. We focus specifically on how we get that data visible and how we get it easily available for people to be able to go in and self serve and then make their own decisions. In effect, so with 
we've moved away from there's a team that that produce reports that we send out monthly that people then review and and discuss and what have you and and we've moved very much to an automated there's a nightly feed that comes from ServiceNow, for example, that then goes into Power BI that is number crunched and then it's updated every day. So it's available and you've got history of data there. So you can look at trends and you can look at, at more detail to see, oh, okay, do, does this always peak? Why, do, why does this peak then? And, you know, you can, like, might you say, for example, you know, when changes happen, we also try to automate an element of, well, we suppress the alerting during that change window. Yeah. So, you know, that's not something that someone has to remember to go in and do. Oh, interesting. That's really um, it's uh, okay, as part of that change window, then those alerts shouldn't come through. And if they do come through, then, you know, it may well go to, to the knock, for example, but they know that there's a change window and then we'll stop them, basically. Hmm. Um, you know, so it's just kind of looking at that. How do we, re- how do we reduce the noise? really and how do we allow it so that people can self-serve you know can you tell me this can you find out this can you give me this information on that and i just thought okay right i'm not doing this <laughs> I mean, so you know. it was a selfish endeavor then yeah, yeah, yeah I, just gonna always, say. Always. I, I think i think that's the best way to do it because then you think yeah. well hang on a minute i don't need to be the only one that can see this yeah, yeah too right you know, off you go do you is that a manual thing or do you kind of build that into the service model and have kind of go live dates and kind of trigger that through automatically so we build it in from a within service now perspective so because we use everything within service now and we have the alerts coming in to service now we can correlate the okay if there's a change window from 10 a.m eastern to 5 p.m eastern mm. in on a saturday for example we can then have it so that, okay, well, those alerts during that time don't follow their yeah. normal routing. You know, it picks it up from the the change record, which is why it's vital that cool. that everyone puts the right amount of time in. So do you do much of that reporting, say, dragging stuff out to Power BI and stuff like that? Do you do much of that reporting imaging within ServiceNow? So we do operational reporting within the tool, so the, sure. the live stuff, in effect. Um Obviously, there is the ServiceNow Analytics, which does an element of historical stuff, but we just found it easier to pull it into yep. Power BI and do it there. Um, we have a data analytics team within the company, so we've piggybacked on them. They do build Power BI data analytics elements for finance for legal yeah, you know all different areas yeah. and rather than us go off and invent our own we've just said here are our data sources this is what we want to see can you can you help build it the transition to make your data better is trying to get people to understand the importance of them owning assets owning ci you know all of that kind of stuff and we've we've pushed quite hard for that and i I think that's probably been the hardest thing there's some people i I think it depends on your individual background as well where you've worked before if you work somewhere before where where you have this information and you know why it's beneficial and helpful it's not a difficult argument to Mm. to have and people come in and go how come i can't see this and you know and, and start doing it themselves if someone hasn't got that background then it can be quite a difficult sell. Yeah, our biggest challenge might be over the years has been 
how do you stop it being seen as a spreadsheet fulfillment exercise? Yeah. I think too many people in the past have, I'm sure you have, get sent that spreadsheet every six months to fill in, it disappears somewhere and, and then yeah. it never seems to actually make it through anywhere. And I think it's, um, we always work hard on that, making it relevant, you know, trying to build the target elements of the target operating model into 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 CMDB so that it can even basic things like ticket routing automation and, yeah. and some basic stuff like that. And then, you know, I think back to your conversation around well actually because rather than the service desk having to triage everything or your first, or your second line app support having to do that if we get it to the server team quicker because it's actually a back-end issue it actually just frees people up one of the issues we all have is that it's not just service now i think as an industry we've the language around all of that stuff has always been very far too high level and far too conceptual. And so yeah. and it's lots of lots of lots of squares with colours and lots of enterprise architecture and lovely big things on whiteboards that never actually make it into the real world of how do you stop a guy being woken up at two in the morning? I mean that that's yeah, yeah, a practical yeah. thing, right? And and I think it's a something that we still need to do a load of work on and, and just about being practical and pragmatic. I think I learned by being sworn out a lot when I was a lot younger by a load of on-shift uh, mainframe guys sat in the, <laughs> sat in the data center telling me to do one when you try and ask them conceptual questions. Say, yeah, okay, we need to get a bit more pragmatic on this stuff and understand what's driving those guys. You know, we, we're trying to fix a P1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too often we forget when there's guys on the front line actually under huge pressure sort of trying to fix this stuff. And yeah. I think you're spot on. How do we make put at the forefront how do we make their lives easier because uh, ultimately we need their buying to do anything right absolutely and i think you know i've i've run major incidents and you know still do occasionally when they're big enough and you kind of that's when you really realize yeah. oh hang on we haven't got this we haven't got that you know and then afterwards you can kind of come back and go we could have fixed that two hours earlier if we'd had this information and then and then it becomes more of a real point that helps mm. particularly if you go yeah. Well, we missed our SLA, but actually, if we'd had this, we would have been this much further forward. And then everyone's like, you know, that makes people sit up a little bit. Imogen covered topics like governance for monitoring and metrics, ensuring reporting is driving clear benefits and value, enabling self-service visibility for teams, automating data flows, and some challenges around getting full organizational alignment. She also stressed making improvements focused and targeted. Mike, there's a lot of discussion about self-service visibility for teams and automating data flows. Where do you see opportunities to further improve self-service access to reporting? The first thing is, and there's probably a theme through this whole thing around, you've got to make the data consistent so it's reportable in the first instance. And I think we've got to get away from doing straight line, how many tickets did we fix? Have we have we resolved them against an SLA? which typically is much more around how we're managing our suppliers in, in, in the traditional sort of outsourcing sense, rather than are we delivering to what the customer, the user base actually need. Making those, understanding the services that somebody's consuming, making them properly defined in data. And this is where things like the, the common services data model within ServiceNow really can help. And it isn't about boiling the ocean and spending a year doing sort of, you know, sitting in a dark room doing data definition is very much about you know what are the top dozen services that people consume, getting them properly modelled. Once they're modelled, then actually you can start helping people get access to that stuff by maybe standing up some subscription type models so that somebody can subscribe to the I really care about service ABC. And then, then it's a much simpler method to be able to get people to have some dashboards on portals and, and to be able to request access to more and inf deeper information about those services. So again, I think it's about what listening to what users care about 
what what for them is about is performance and what do they want to see measured and reported on i think then then the providing access to it becomes relatively straightforward imogen also mentioned some challenges around getting full buy-in from all teams on owning configuration items and assets etc what advice would you give for gaining organizational alignment and how can we underscore these benefits so this has been a challenge for time immemorial around getting people to actively manage things. So I think there's a few key things. One is understand getting everybody to understand that we're not just a data repository. Um, so we we only hold information about things that we care about, that we can consume in our processes, and that genuinely drive efficiencies, improvements, greater visibility, reporting, all the things we've kind of talked about so far. I think the the other piece is around, there's been far too many enterprise-wide, organizational, let's go and do a new data model, let's go and do this. I think everybody gets fatigued very quickly when they get sent the same spreadsheet every six months to fill in, and they never actually see what, what happens to the data. So I think making it relevant, starting off maybe with some friendly teams so you can get these things landed people see the value and they understand how it's making their lives easier or better then i think you can kind of almost use that organically then to go out across the organization so i'm thinking yeah it's more do it almost bottom up rather than trying to do it top down because we've had far too many kind of top down edicts that rapidly kind of run out of speed or or that you spend a year getting data models delivered and they they're all shiny and new and then within six months, they're all out of date. So I think it's how do you how do you get people engaged so that they naturally want to keep things up to date? And that's about making, making their lives easier and better and making it relevant. Joanne Price is a results-driven service leader with 15 plus years experience managing large global support teams to deliver outstanding customer experiences. She has successfully led major transformation initiatives for top financial services companies to enable efficient operations and continuous improvements. Joanne is recognised for her collaborative yet decisive leadership style and unwavering commitment to service excellence. Challenge was a lot around modernising sort of IT operations, coping with the speed of change. Um, we touched on some AI stuff. So I guess, you know, from your perspective, sort of kind of sitting where you are now at this time of year what, what from your point what, what do you see as the i guess the core one or two things um around prioritization priorities for you guys in terms of kind of helping to accelerate that um modernization and um and deal with deal just deal with the pace of change that we're all kind of probably running i got mince pie sorry i couldn't resist that <laughs> oh, go for it. Right. Right. focus next year really is on i think reducing our cost to run and maturing some of the areas which are quite noisy uh, or manual. That's a, a monitoring and observability strategy. How do we identify themes and trends from the data that we have running through the platform to create more efficiency or automate processes? Or it's leveraging the data and capability to, you know, shift left in terms of you know, developing our virtual agent, integrating it with things like NextThink to help with self-healing, driving that end-user initiated capability with knowledge, incident resolution and things and service request fulfillment. So it, it is all things cost save, optimize operations, getting our data to do more for us. Um, that's, that's really where we're heading next year. I was going to say, is that is the is the priority, Joe, using the 
data that you already have. I see a lot of things with uh, with with larger clients with uh, when it comes to ServiceNow reporting. Either they're super mature and they're using all the platform capabilities and performance analytics and everything in between, or they're sucking it out into a Power BI or something like that and using an external piece of software to to manage that data. Or they're super early in the journey and are not using some of the reporting capabilities in the platform at well, all. It, is, it, is it the about, visibility piece, not, or is it using? It's it? not just about reporting, is it? Yeah. It's about having all of our data together to let's look at monitoring and observability right let's link that to the common service data model let's link that to dora all of the regulatory stuff that we've got coming into a financial services organization let's work out what data we need to identify what if we get a component failing what is the impact how do we detect things earlier for our critical services so it's about improving the data that we have to work for us in certain ways. We're not making the most of performance analytics, I have to say, because we have some things that are not out of the box in the platform. So that's that's been a, become a challenge. So we're not actually able to get to that point without some remediation work. So there are areas that are mature, there's areas that are not, there's data that we need to bring into the platform. And then we need to obviously then use leverage that capability that, that sits over the top. And that's obviously where performance analytics comes in. Monitoring is noisy, service request performance noisy. A company like ours is so, so busy looking at after our external clients that we don't tend to focus on how do we optimize our internal processes and our internal capability. We're, we're talking a lot about service operations at the moment, uh, Joe, and uh, that uh, from a product perspective, if you ask ServiceNow, they'll say it's ITSM and ITOM, but it's actually a lot bigger than that. It, it's CSDM as the foundation. It's how you then use the observability stuff, request fulfillment and whatever else, but that service operation, the service side and the operation side and bringing those together to, to kind of reduce noise. How do you currently see that bridge between the service side of things, service desk, IT side of things, and the operation side, observability and everything else? I think our challenge really is, is the business cases are hard to define across service operations. We have a lot of clients, it's the same thing, particularly for sorting out data. It's kind of not glamorous. It's kind of really difficult to say, well, how many, yeah, where, where's that going to save me money or improve my service to customers? Yes. So a, lot, a lot of people we see, uh, we're helping with use something like the service request business case, but almost then um, yeah, building building the stuff, yeah. bearing the stuff that we need to do from a data exactly. perspective under that, because that's kind of like a nice, easy yeah, we, we, we save 10 minutes of an engineer's time times a thousand a week, and it's, there's an obvious number right? Exactly. That's that's the obvious thing. And to Jack's point earlier, you know, it is it is about building that CSDM model, looking at your gaps and making sure you've got that complete data set in place. We don't have vendors and contracts. So where do we get that from? And then we don't have the finance data. Where do we get that from? But first step is is making sure that we've got a complete model in place. One of your answers, which I found hilarious, Joe, that Mike was telling me about was what do you want to do with AI or something was the question you said for salespeople to stop ramming it down my throat without any view of what the, what the business benefit is. I can, when you've got 32 regulators to keep happy, I can kind of see where you're coming from now. <laughs> Given you're doing all of that kind of foundational work, we talked so much about this in a different podcast we did the other day. Actually, it wasn't, obviously we're sponsoring tech pros podcast here, but we did our own one the other week, uh, just, just chatting about some of the service operation stuff. And obviously AI was a topic. I, I tried to ban it as a concept, but it was a topic. And that kind of came up. That get away with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So that kind of came up and it was a, how do you, I mean, what, what's its place given the, the work to do in the CSDM space and the foundational stuff and everything else? What is, 
what's the role of AI thing that we're trying to do rather than it trying to be this shiny thing that seems to be positioned as something completely brand new when really it's not, right? What's your view? No, it's not a brand new thing. It's been in the platform for a long time. I think its role is to simplify things and help you to take smarter decisions based on the data that you have. But the data's got to be right in order for it to work effectively. Yeah. It's the same principle as Gen AI, right? It's using a knowledge base. If you're not, if you know, crap in, crap out, you know. Yep. So it's all great that the capabilities there. <laughs> That's probably where my comment came from. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. Mike and I were laughing about it. No, I loved it. And it's uh, that was kind of the vibe of the podcast, actually. It was kind of, all right, there's the marketing headline, but what does it really mean to us and how's it going to benefit our priorities next year? Or the it, business it will benefit. Well? It will benefit. But it, yeah. you know, I think a lot of senior people think you can just switch it on like that. And, you know, you're have, we, get... have we done AI yet? Yeah. No, it... hang on. <laughs> we need to get our data right first. <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. What do you want us to use AI for? It comes back to the basics we were touching on, right? It's, it's common data, you know, common language. If we're not all calling things the same thing, there's no, you know, no AI in the world that ultimately has to learn. It has to be trained on that data. So if, if we're not consistent, it's, it's not going to be able to pull, pull through anyway. So I think the big one no, we touched on, true. which I really resonated, was around the, just having cross-platform or cross-domain, something that can actually work across bridge so that it's not every single we're not yeah. doing so pipes classic lit you know, we're just sat in our verticals exactly. not nobody's actually talking to anything exactly right and there's other things actually within a within a business context that actually it doesn't cover or it, it does but you need to sort of nuance it so there's loads of business processes running through the organization as well right it's not just about services and the csdm model doesn't take that into account mm. It's very technology focused and for an enterprise tool, it needs to start to lift down. It needs to start to think about what are the other data elements? Is a process a business capability? Well, it could be, right? But actually, is it? And I, I think there's some, there's still some open questions really in terms of operating a bit broader from the platform, how we connect dots. So, Kev, our CSDM lead says the same thing, but to be fair. He says it's a it's a guideline, it's a framework. What's important is what a business application means to Fidelity, not necessarily trying to hammer. Joanne talked about leveraging data to optimize operations, shift left, enhance automate automation and self-service, and integrate service with operations. She discussed gaps in getting value from platform analytics and performance data making unified business cases and focusing more on internal process improvement. So Mike, what are one or two top priorities you'd focus on to get more value from service data? In terms of prioritization, it's around getting consistency in the data models we've discussed. I think that's key. Making it mean something to the business and making it relevant is, is absolutely fundamental. We can't improve service, get more automation, shift left, let alone start looking at exploiting some things around some of the new technologies that, that are emerging or have emerged over the last couple of years, unless we've got some of that consistency and quality in, in our underlying data. And this doesn't have to be all encompassing. So I think it's, it's prioritization for me is understanding that, that the, a, the right level of data quality is really, really important. But then critically, it's how do we get some benefits quickly? So prioritizations, find find a couple of teams, a couple of groups of users who have certain challenges that we can prove can be fixed or be largely fixed relatively quickly by, by focusing on a few core things and then let this roll out. So, so again, it comes back to let's not boil the ocean, let's not try and fix everybody's last issue, 
the client I talked about with that had the great success putting out the the virtual agent chatbot, for instance, we focused on really truly was the top 10 conversations. And that answered almost all of everybody's day-to-day issues. And because they could get all those things answered really automatically and really quickly, it meant that satisfaction rates went through the roof and we very, very you know, quickly were able to get people off of email, off of the phone and using the chatbot because actually they got the answer that they needed really quickly whilst they were doing other things. So I think it's that understand you need the quality and things, but you've got to tie it into what the business wants and the outcomes the business needs and get some quick wins. Peter Drake is an accomplished IT service management executive with over 20 years of experience delivering exceptional service operations strategic governance and process optimization. He has led complex platforms and teams for leading financial institutions, including the London Stock Exchange Group. Peter is known for his customer-focused approach and devotion to service quality and operational excellence. We were just talking about the context of AI and how, from a customer perspective, great, fantastic, let's do it. But actually, it's understanding how do you need, what data do you need? How do you need to transform your own internal operating model on your platform team to actually leverage those capabilities, right? It sounds that mm-hmm. the headline is always let's do it, but actually there's the, the heart of it for customers to, to, to get to the acceptance yeah. that there are some foundational things that you need to put in place yeah. first before you can really scale it up. 100%. And this kind of was in my head, I don't know what you feel, this is it goes back to the let's do big data, let's do blockchain, what's the value to the business is one. Yeah and get beyond the spending 10 million. Yeah. I remember Barcat spent, God knows, $10 million on big data and then finally realized, well, what works for Google and unstructured search data might not necessarily work for highly structured financial kind of like trade information or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Right? It, so, so touching on that, I mean, it's a really good follow-up around. So what we talked a lot about on that round table around things that we need to do, sort of some of the basics. So from your perspective, what are the two or three core things that we need to, if we're going to take advantage of automation and then ultimately up into AI, what are the two or three things that we really, really have to get in place fundamentally? An organizational awareness of the importance of data quality. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and that's, that's contextual now, even in our new ITSM system, the ticket not updates are nonsense. They're rubbish. They're one-liners. They're, there's no description of what this is, what's been fixed. And yeah. a lot of it's still done in email, right? And it's making sure that you're using the systems that you, the systems of record that you have, and you're putting quality information into those systems yeah. of record. That's the, without that, you can't do anything, right? You are very limited about what you can do. The second yeah. thing is, I'd say embracing the change because Although everybody talks about frame of reference from our company, there are teams that are doing it and everybody's aware of it. But actually, if you try and deploy a Gen AI capability, there's a lot of resistance in the organization to do it. And I think there are also, you know, in the supplier ecosystem, there are scale partners who are against it because it's going to undermine their business model. 100%. I mean, yeah, for me, you look at the guys with the real challenge. I think the a lot of the .NET coding shops, a lot of the big SIs that have offshore capability, yeah. that for me is where it's going to hit, as well as things like legal profession, accountancy even, right? It's all, all that things that are mechanistic to a set of really formulaic rules. It feels to me like a right for challenge. Yeah, we were I was talking last night and saying actually the there's a challenge for partners as well, right? Because partners mm. have to evolve their business model because as Gen AI starts to go crazy on the platform as a customer you need your partner to be enabling that not a partner that's not wanting to enable it because it undermines their business model which is you've got 70 developers in new delhi pumping out code for you as opposed to actually i only need 20 people i need them highly capable and i need them and i'm less cared about the location etc some are going to change their business model quickly to support and become 
the kind of the pro adopters of, of helping customers deploy AI really, really quickly. And there's those that will be that will be difficult because they need to transform their business model, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across yeah, the whole industry. Yeah, hundred percent. And the and the more you've got, and the more entrenched cost base you've got for that, yeah. the far harder, harder, right? So, yeah, yeah. And also for clients, I think as well that have maybe big analytical teams or big um you know big floor the old the old days of having floor plates of you know 300 guys that are there sort of just processing kind of processing forms of one way shape or another yeah yeah you, know, you could see that all going as well right it's been an issue forever right around ticket quality around yeah. you know and around getting people to come in yeah you know, i remember we have a defense client who worked with the mod but they run um they support the army's radio systems and all of their tickets coming in from the squad is literally said it's effed Literally, that was a short description and the full description. It's effed again <laughs> as, it, as the radio melted down and blew up yeah. and, 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 and wiped out the inside of a fighting vehicle. Maybe slightly better language, but for, from, I guess, IT engineers have not been much better, right, historically in terms of doing stuff or, you know, the classic, it's fixed or yeah. done it. Have you seen anything or are you guys looking at anything that, that could kind of help improve that, that quality? Because I completely get you the, you can't train a large language model on, unless you've got the values there that you can actually then go the key value pairs ultimately is all it is right that you can yeah. go and train it on next year as part of ITSM program we're going to focus on ticket quality as a specific aspect of it right i link it back to a lack of customer centricity or a lack of service culture right because if mm -hmm. you think about my job is to serve my customers then it's my job to ensure as part of serving my customers my responsibility is to ensure that i'm doing the best i can to mm. provide as much information as i can to ensure that if that fault occurs again, the information I've put in the ticket previously can be reused by automation in the future. That's what we've got to educate people on towards because I think that's a big thing that's missing for us. And I think if you don't, particularly internal services where your customer, you're not, mm. your comments are not external customer visible, yeah. just by human nature, we give less importance to it often as IT teams. Mm -hmm. It's just, oh, it's just you know, HR or it's, it's finance or whoever, and you just put a couple of one-liners in there. Whereas if it's an external customer and you're a service provider, you know that the customer is yeah. going to come back to you and say, hey, what the hell is this? You know, where I want a meaningful update. Um, and having worked in the IT service provider industry, I've kind of got that experience. Mm. And that's where my experience of what a good ticket update looks like comes from because we used to have teams that would review tickets and reach out to teams and we'd have quality checks and all that type of stuff. And I think mm -hmm. that's the that's for us is the thing that we've got to put in, ne in next year is a quality system around tickets that we can measure and, and report performance. Because yeah, ultimately, that, mm. we've got to tie it back to outcomes, right? Because that's great. I can say, say that. That sounds good. But how yeah. do I motivate the people to yeah. do that or well, the way I do that is by using the influence of the leaders and I talk about what the impact of not doing this is and what that means from a cost perspective or mm. transformation perspective then that drives their desire to make their teams do the thing that I want them yeah. to do yeah and then I guess the, for me the trick is then also finding what's the positive what's the carrot you can give then to the individuals yeah to actually make them do it because you know otherwise we get that classic there's a bit of a spike things go up and then very quickly over over a period of weeks or months, then kind of that that as the attention drifts off, then that kind of drops down again. Yeah. I guess really, how do you articulate those benefits and in, in terms of the individuals? And I think it's a one of the themes we spoke to everybody around is that challenge, particularly around data quality as well. Around yeah, it's very difficult to make that sexy enough for to somebody senior to get excited about it, and then to build a business case and stuff. How have you guys how gone we around do that? thinking yeah. about benefits? Yeah. Yeah. So what are we going to do? Like? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to target 
a couple of friendly teams, keen te support teams that are keen to leverage the, the AI capabilities in the platform. When we do the upgrade, we'll be able to use the Gen AI capabilities. For me, what we'll do is we'll target two or three support teams that are open-minded, that want to do this, that want to see the progress. Yeah. And then we can set the structure up that says, okay, well, here's the outcome is we're going to try to deflect 70% of your tickets by building and using good quality tickets and training the model to start to do that auto-assignment or auto-recommended resolution and be able to measure that, use the metrics on the platform to use data on the platform to build metrics it's hard because you're rarely tying it back to a hard cost takeout mm. within the platform you can give productivity back which might mean that the person that owns the budget can make the call to say actually i now need 20 percent less people mm. but as from an icsm perspective our job is to demonstrate the value of the thing that we've done to the organization i don't think I don't, my experience companies are not very good at doing that we implement yeah. it but we don't think about how we're going to measure the outcome yeah. to demonstrate the value that we've delivered from it I hundred percent. And then I think that's where we get caught in that cycle. Then it's very difficult then to build a business case that anybody believes in in the future because right. all they remember is, well, every other time you've come to me with this, you've you've not even been able to baseline where you started from, let alone measure benefits. So how can I kind of believe that that second, third, fourth case? Yeah. It was interesting. The, the use case we used at World Forum about the retailer we work with, you know, they, they hit a crazy number about like everything that went through, even just basic VA, 98%. They got, diff it was auto answered by the, they didn't go to a live agent. But I think that was, part technology but they coupled it with a, a a cracking business change comms piece and made it a real buzz yeah. their kind of environments young kind of lots of you know, young buyers merchandisers so they kind of bought into that whole that whole tech stack it was much more analogous for them to using an app on their phone which is then much more usual so i think yeah. for me there's there's a bit of a personality to the organization as well and maybe even the demographic around how easy some of this is to land yeah, and for us, we um, we did something similar in our CSM program last year, which is kind of the corporate services enterprise digitization. So mm -hmm. we basically digitized seven bis different business functions uh, using patterns on App Engine, right, to say, okay, well, you've got tickets, you do work like this, okay, here's your basic pattern and some small configuration around that. And we've taken linked into putting stuff onto the employee center pr a portal and then link better linking it to our connect site on sharepoint which is our mm -hmm. kind of our internet we've taken that journey times down from like they were nearly like eight minutes i think down to the average journey time is now like 58 seconds oh, wow. so the, pro the product is productivity savings been about two and a half days per employee per year which okay. if you monetize that is massive i mean you could be from anywhere yeah. from like 25 to 50 million dollars in terms yeah. of productivity saving but that's the first step right that's not even with digitizing all of the service offerings and putting them in the catalog to make them have more requestable items in there that people can request and then driving the automation. So mm. I agree with you in the sense you've got to drive, you've got to highlight the outcome to the people and the benefit of it. Peter emphasized quality data and ticket updates being critical. Noted ideas like showcasing AI stroke ML successes with friendly teams, shifting mind mindsets to improve ticket quality and leaders underscoring hard cost impacts of things like poor data. Mike, regarding Peter's comment about high quality data and ticket updates, where do you see the biggest areas for improvement in capturing better data? We have to give people a reason for providing better quality, not only better quality information upfront in terms of what the issue might be, but also from a resolution perspective within technology that there's a, a real reason for technical teams to provide better resolution information. As we mentioned right up front, it's very difficult to train an AI model as an example without real data. So if you don't have the information, if you can't codify it in order to train a model, then it's very, very difficult to be able to exploit the Gen AI capabilities. And I think this comes back to a lot of the things we touched on, which is around a good 
quality service model. But I think trying to get some innovation in how do we get technology teams to better articulate what the fix was, not just to say it's fixed, not to put a load of techno jargon in there, but really succinctly to be able to identify and establish you know, what was done to remedy the problem. Our ultimate goal is to leverage a lot more AI capabilities, therefore actually understanding what data those models need and how that data is codified in order to train it. Then we should be coming back and, and training, maybe using some gamification to really encourage our teams to populate better, better resolution information and I think as a upfront, the more use of chatbots, the more use of templating, the more use of standardized inputs into the system means we can get a lot better articulation about what an issue might be. It's critical, though, that we get that resolution information back as well. And this point that Peter makes about showcasing successes of AI progress with small groups of friendly teams, what's your kind of perspective on that as a strategy for rolling out and achieving yeah. success? And I think, again, from experience, if we go back across a lot of the, the technology bubbles over the last sort of 10, 15 years, I think it's crucial. I think we've seen too many, too often a grand scheme. Hey, let's exploit big data. And then there was a big program kicked off to without actually understanding what the business needed or then specifically going around and saying, actually, for this small area of the business, they've got a real core issue that we know we could fix with better automation through AI as an example. So I think it's absolutely critical that we we focus on those areas, we focus on the data for those areas being of sufficient quality, and then we can focus on the retraining of models to really, really, really help that business area. They then become the evangelists for, you know, we solved, again, we solved 98% of our issues without needing to speak to somebody. It made us more efficient. It made our, let our teams focus on the real things that are left that really do need a lot of brain work on it. And I think they, as I said, they become the evangelists for them for rolling it out. I think too many big, big top-down programs sort of run out of steam or almost lose sight of, of what they're trying to deliver for the business. They become a mean to themselves. So I think it's really, really important that we break it down, control cost, control timings, get some successes, and then that will roll out across the organization. Are you able to share any more sort of insights on perhaps how Unify is helping its clients you know, navigate the future and learning more about your organization? The critical thing is for us, you know, when we first started in our current guise, it was around what are our, you know, what are our USPs? So I think one of our core tenants was that we didn't want to be just another in- industry-based partner. Very, very much we wanted to be client-focused. So most of our staff are still come from industry so they come from the client side so i think we understand we understand really well about what it takes to land change within an organization how it's received because we've sat the other side of the desk so to speak so we're really really passionate about coming at it from an understanding the business understanding the business outcomes that are required and yes we know the technology and we can run a project but but it's really really important for us to, to understand that side of it and what's driving how do we articulate the business case, for example? How do we articulate what success looks like so that right up front we all understand that so that we can actually then measure ourselves against it? I think the our deep, deep experience across you know, banking, financial services industry is really important. It means we understand compliance regulation. We've worked in, there's a, there's a core of our team that have worked in those industries for a long time. So we get that it's not just internal business requirements, for instance, 
there are regulatory, there are compliance pieces. We've got things like Bora coming in. Everybody in BFSI is going to be focused on Bora for the next year before the mandatory compliance and reporting comes in in early 25, I think it is. That operational resilience piece is going to be incredibly important. And of course, go straight back to what we've been talking about, which is it's very difficult to report against your operational resilience requirements and audit if you don't have a proper view of your services, who's consuming those services, what your supply chain is in to deliver them, which is what Dora's doing in terms of taking out the standard, very technology-focused view that we've always had and is actually massively expanding that and making it more complicated. Our knowledge and experience on, on that side is, is very, very deep and strong. And then on some of the newer, you know, as a smaller organisation, it's always been a challenge to keep up with technology and with new technology changes. But the one of our ambitions for moving forward and being able to grow the business was around working with a larger organization that still has the same independent ethos as we do, but that has a deeper technology knowledge, has, has lots of clever people doing some thought leadership around things like Gen AI. So we're really excited to be able to leverage the wider Inertum group's capabilities and pull on a lot of their, as we move forward through this year and into the future, pulling forward on a lot more of their deep capability in understanding some very, very advanced technologies that are coming through. Best of luck with Anita, Mike, and thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. It's been a real pleasure talking with everybody and people can engage with us through our website or LinkedIn socials. We have another series of podcasts coming up around a whole world of service operations, which is a big focus for ServiceNow next year. And of course, if anybody's interested, then please just reach out to us through that. And we'd love to come and talk to you about more thoughts around this area or any other spaces. But also, we're really passionate about sitting down with outside of any commercials with businesses and just looking at roadmaps, looking at how we can better exploit ServiceNow, better exploit processes, always about getting more value for existing investments not necessarily just adding more and more and more licenses into your account. So for us, it's really important that all of our clients get real value from what they're spending. I think that cuts to the heart of how we try and work. So that wraps up today's episode on modernizing IT service management in VFSI, bridging data quality with generative AI innovation. Special thanks to Mike Glock of Unify for sponsoring and leading this discussion along with his colleague, Jack Williamson, who participated in the interviews. And of course, to industry leaders, Justin Hemming, Imogen Woodley, Joanne Price, and Peter Drake, who took their time to join the round table and share their insights for the podcast. Key themes included enhancing data quality and consistency first before advancing AI usage, gaining business unit visibility into unique needs, centralizing monitoring tools, and unifying taxonomy across IT and business functions. Check out the links in our show notes to all participants and don't hesitate to reach out to Mike should you want to learn more about Unify and tap into his 14 years of experience leading ServiceNow implementations. Thanks again for listening. Please do subscribe for more Enterprise Thought Leadership interviews. All the best. See you next time.